Turn to your neighbor and say life. You know what? He's restored. He's given us. He's overcome death, hell, and the grave. And, you know, last week was an amazing week. And, and it's just like um, when, when we go through Sunday and we do resurrection like we've done and we walk through what Jesus has gone through, I began to start praying about it last week. And it was like, what's next? So think about this. This is not going to be perfect and exact. But what our understanding is, is that Jesus was born like 4 A.D. B.C. He was born 4 B.C. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He was born 4 B.C. So when he lived on the earth, if you go 4, 3, 2, 1, and then you get into A.D., or CE, depending on what you go by, then from the year zero, he would be three or four years old. Are you with me? And then when he was 24, the year 24, he would possibly be 28 years old. Are you with me? So if I we look at, the time that he was, the time that he died on the cross, some say he might have been 32, 33, 34. There's not a real exact time, but I believe 33. So I'm going to go with 33. Amen? So, um, so if, hey, Glenn, if you want to, just go ahead and let them just pass it around and, and, and they'll, they'll get it to the back to you so you'll be able to turn it in. They'll pass it around to each other. And yeah, they'll they'll take care of you. They'll take care of all of that because this kind of, yeah. If you would just go ahead and have a seat for a few minutes and let me bring this out. So think about this: thirty-three years old, and this is twenty twenty-two. I believe that we're going to be here at twenty. 30. That's eight years from now. So if we look back 2,000 years from now, we think about Jesus on the cross and he died, right? Last week. So the question is, is what happens after he died on the cross? When we begin to start looking, we celebrated the risen king, right? We celebrated, yes, he's risen, he's alive, he is our king. We celebrated that. All the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah were being fulfilled. And as they are being fulfilled, then what's next? So we have this amazing Sunday Last Sunday, right, for Resurrection Sunday, and everybody's celebrated and excited. But who can tell me what's next? What happened after Resurrection Sunday? Can anybody? I need some help from you today. This is not just asking so you can think about it. I'm asking for you to give me some input. What, ha- what happened? Any, can, can anybody tell me what the next thing happened that the Bible talks about? He left to the Father. When he came back, what happened? Okay, people didn't know him. Does anybody remember the story about the road to Emmaus? 
and they were walking with Jesus, and they didn't know Jesus. So would Jesus has come back. So here he is walking with a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection took place. The Bible says he ascended into the heavens. So he descended. He took captives train in his train. They took those that were held captive in his train, and he came through. And when he came through, Mary Magdalene caught him, didn't she? So he, he, ascended, he was in hell took the captives in his train, and he ascended up. And while he was headed to the Father, if I could use that visual, while he was headed to the Father, Mary Magdalene caught him. You remember? And Jesus said what? Don't touch me. It wasn't like hammer time. Don't touch this. Don't touch me. Don't touch me because he didn't have his glorified body. So then he went to the Father, received his glorified body, and did what? This is the same day of the resurrection. Are you with me? Are we there? So when we walk through that resurrection, then all of a sudden he shows up, and there's guys walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus joins them. So what about after the resurrection? We see him come back. And he's walking with people, and absolutely, they didn't recognize who he was. So how many of you know, when he died, there were many that thought he died just for the nation of Israel. They didn't understand how big this was. Oh, come on, are you hearing me? I want you to stay with me. I want you to be able to read this. So we're going to get to John chapter 20 here in just a little bit. But I want you to see... What happened because Mary found the tomb, Peter and John found the tomb, and, and they saw, basically saw that it was empty. Then we were on the road to Emmaus, and do you remember what the scripture said happened to the guys on the road to Emmaus? Anybody? We got to get to the place where we begin to start reading this. And it says that he opened their so today, could it be the day of the resurrection, Jesus opened eyes? Isn't he doing that today? Aren't we? He's still doing that today. 2,000 years ago, he came, he walked with those that were on the road to Emmaus. And they were like, don't you know what's happened? Don't you know what's going on? This guy that was the king, supposed to be the king, he died. And they didn't even see him. And I don't know what that looks like. I mean, did his, was his hair different? Did he walk different? Did, was he dressed differently? It was like, why didn't they see him? And how many of you know there were times where Jesus would be in a crowd and all of a sudden he'd slip away? He was gone. And it was like, how come they didn't see him? I'm telling you, there were times in my life that I didn't see Christ. There was a time in my life that I wasn't able to see him, and there are still times in my life that I'm like, God, I don't know if I can see you in this situation. And if we look closely, not saying God's causing the situation, but I'm saying he'll work that situation out for your good. So when we look at it, we've got to realize that one of the things that happened after the resurrection was they began to see. They got sight. Everybody say sight. They began to start receiving their sight. What about the disciples? 
What about the disciples? If we go back and we look at that, and we know this, this is a, last Sunday, we celebrated resurrection, and on that day, Jesus showed up. He was with them in Emmaus, and, and he spent the night there. And then that very next day, which would be, a, we call it on the Monday, that Monday as you go through, we know that he came in and talked to the disciples. But there was somebody that wasn't there. Anybody remember who wasn't there? Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. You know why? He was from Missouri. And they're like, what? I don't understand. Missouri is the show me state. So every time I read about Thomas, it's like Thomas isn't going to believe it until I see it. Now, don't you know some people like that? Then they're not all from Missouri. And I love Missouri. I don't want anybody to get anything wrong. I, I love Missouri. I love people from Missouri. But, but, but Thomas was one of those that it was like, show me. And I've met a lot of people that way. They're like, well, you know, oh, you gave your life to Christ. Yes. He said, how do you know he's real? Show me. Show me. Show me. And they don't believe until they what? See. So Jesus comes in and, 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 he, and he talks to the disciples the second day, which would a week ago, would be a week ago on Monday. He, he talks to the disciples. Now understand, everything is set back a day because in the Jewish culture, a day started at 6 p.m. So in other words, we would still, if it's 6 p.m., that started the day. And their day went from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. So when we, when we begin to look at the Jewish culture and understand this, was greater than just the Jews. It was greater than just the Jews because the Jews, the Israelites, were thinking, okay, he's died, and he was the one that was supposed to redeem us, Israel, from Rome's oppression from the way they're doing things and how things are difficult if for, for the Israelites, he's supposed to be the king that's going to come and take over Caesar. Are you with me? I want us to get back to that. So we could go on Monday. This is, and I'm just using this because, like I said, it's not totally exact, but it's close. So it says in Luke that he opened their eyes or minds to understanding. So after the resurrection there was an opening of our minds for understanding. Look, guys, we are sitting in church that Jesus caused today. Every church that's here that's birthed because of Christ is because of Jesus and what he did. Do you realize that before the death and the burial and the resurrection... It was all about the Israelites. Now we are Israel grafted in. We're grafted into Israel. That's why it's important for us to be able to, to read through the Bible. Let's, let's, I want to challenge you this year to just begin to start reading some of these things. Because what happens is all of a sudden, you know, when, when, when you read something and then you hear it begin to be preached, all of a sudden something changes in you because you're starting to connect that. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you differently, maybe differently than what that we're talking about, but, but he'll be able to bring it back to where you can begin to see that their minds were opened for understanding. I need understanding on some things. How about you? And, and I struggle at times. So Jesus went to see the disciples, and you can see that in John chapter 20. 
And then he's, he went to see him one time. And then the Bible says uh, a week later. So turn with me to John chapter 20. And I want us to, I'm just going to read the word of God to you. And I, I think I may have some scriptures, but I'll let, when we get there, I may go back. I'm going to, those of you guys in the sound booth, I'm going to go back and read some that's not listed. The scriptures are not listed on there. So just hang with me till I get to those scriptures. But I'm going to read John chapter 20, verse 19. I'm going to start at verse 19, John chapter 20, verse 19, and you're welcome to get your iPad or your, your phone and look up this scriptures. I'm going to reading, be reading out of the uh, uh, updated New International Version. Uh, no, New American Standard Version. So we see Jesus goes to see his disciples once, and then you're going to see where a week later he goes to see him again. So what happened in that week where he shows up the day of the resurrection, he walks with Emmaus, the, the, those two to Emmaus, and then he spends the night with them. He breaks the bread. They begin, their minds and their understanding is open. They're like, oh, man, that was Jesus. I mean, how cool would that have been? It was like, man, I knew we should have figured that one out. Why didn't we figure that one out? Shelly will get a revelation. I'm like, oh, man, I don't, she figured that one out. How would she figure that one out? Because her mind was opened for understanding. I don't have understanding on everything, and neither do you, and neither does everybody else that think they do. They don't. But when we begin to see that Jesus, after the resurrection, this began to happen where he began to open minds for understanding, and it not only was the Israelites' minds that he was opening, mainly because the, the, the disciples were Israelites, you with me? They were around him. But things were going to begin to open up and things were going to begin to move and things were going to begin to be different because Jesus had a design to bring the Gentiles in and offer salvation for the Gentiles also. It'd be like saying, you know, salvation is only for Americans. Well, salvation was only for the Israelites, but now it's for everybody. And I get excited about that because I, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not a natural-born Israeli. But I am an Israelite grafted in. In other words, because of the adoption of, of being in God, I'm grafted into the Israelites. So we begin to see that the disciples in John 20, 19. I just want to kind of read this through. And we're going to see where it comes down to where he's talking about eight days later. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus died. We talked about it last week. He told the disciples on three different occasions, I got to die, I got to suffer, I got to suffer at the hands of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the chief priests and, and all of the, the scribes, and I've got to suffer at, these, at the hands of these religious people. And now all of a sudden he's gone, and they hear about the, the tomb was empty. And there were some of them that were like, I don't know if I understand this. How many of you have been involved with, I say, Christianity or relationship with Christ? And there's some things we just don't understand yet. There's some things I didn't understand 
30, 40 years ago when I gave my life to Christ. And then there's still some things I don't understand today. But there's things I've got a great understanding of for me. And it's really about me and my journey as well as it is about you and your journey. Because everything, every, all our journeys are unique. And that's where a lot of times people are like, let's just have a cookie cutter. God doesn't want a cookie cutter. He didn't create cookie cutters. Right? He created us sons and daughters. Children of the Most High God. He created us in His image and in His likeness. And we're different. We look different. Come on, somebody. But the same spirit that, that operated to raise Jesus from the dead lives in me. And I've got to come to that place where my mind maybe didn't have the understanding that I begin to have that understanding. Why? Number one is because right after the resurrection took place, Jesus Himself began to open the minds of those that were close to Him. They begin to see it differently. Now listen, you got to remember we're talking about John. John was the one, I don't know if he was a little arrogant or not, but I think he might have been when it came to Peter and James and the other brothers. And it's like, you know what? He's like, I'm the one Jesus loves. <laughs> I'm like, he's the one there. I'm the one Jesus loves. And he even refers to himself. He wrote the book on that. And he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. I'm like, Peter, every time he'd say that, Peter probably was over there going, yeah, I got something for you. <laughs> I'm going to give you some love. And we begin to start thinking this, and we look at it, and here's what it says. He says, peace be with you, because all of a sudden he walks into a room without using the door. Do you know how supernatural that is? It goes on to verse 20. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I'm going to challenge some of you guys that have read the Scriptures from a religious mindset that only Matthew 28 is a commissioning. This scripture right here is the commissioning. Let me let you see it. He goes on and he says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I what? Also send you. In Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples, right? Sure. Sure. And that was going that was going to come after this. This is what I call this the first apostolic commissioning, because look what he did with them. And he said to them, and he breathed on them, and he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Jesus breathed on the disciples, and he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." I thought that happened in Acts. Well, when you read the scriptures. There might have been the fullness of the Spirit. There might have been another dimension of the Spirit. And a lot of times we think we got the Holy Spirit figured out and we don't have Him figured out. Because He'll do some things and things will happen and we'll get wisdom and understanding and revelation just by the Holy Spirit. This was a new place for them. He says, if you forgive the sins of their sins, they will be forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, the one with the twelve called Didymus, 
was not with them. Jesus said, look at my hands. Jesus said, look at my side. Put your hand in there. You know, I guess it probably would have been this side. Thomas, the one from Missouri, he wasn't there. So here's Jesus with the disciples, and he's showing himself to them. After the resurrection, they begin to open their eyes to be able to see. That's one thing, is to have understanding. Everybody say understanding. One of the things that happened after the resurrection was understanding. Say understanding. Oh, come on. I wish I could hear it, teach you to this today and just begin to unpack this because there was an understanding that they didn't have before the resurrection that now they began to have the resurrection because I'm here to tell you because of salvation, people didn't get saved just because of the miracles. They didn't get saved because of the miracles. Do you know how many people were following him because of miracles? Would it be safe to say? The Bible says there was 5,000 men that he fed, but there were women and children also. Is that 15,000 people that saw miracles happen, and when Jesus went, where were they? Where were they? Because the second thing, not only understanding, but the second thing is belief. Everybody say believe. There's got to be belief. There's got to be the belief. All of a sudden, the disciples were with him, and they saw these miracles, and they saw it take place. And you know what I mean? You could see miracles, but was there true belief in their, in their soul? Are you with me? Within their heart, was there true belief? And man, when they saw him come back from the dead, they said he was going to come back from the dead and say, it's me. How do I know? Put your hand in that hole. Put your hand in that hole. Now all of a sudden they started to believe. Everybody say believe. So let me go on. Let me go on. But Thomas, verse 24, called Didymus, was not with, there, with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the imprint of his nails... And put my finger into the place of his nails. And put my hand into the side. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to what? Yeah, don't care. I had somebody one time just recently. They were like, there's some people that they know that they don't believe in demons. They said, how do you feel? I said, I've cast them out. I've dealt with them. Real? Yes. I've seen people levitate, put my hand in their chest and push them back down onto the couch in my home. I've seen necks get as big as a frog neck. Are you with me? I've seen people throw up. I've seen demons leave. I've seen the pain that they've caused. We've, we've followed pain in somebody's body where it was like that demon started down here and it moved over here. I got pain over here. Oh, no, I got pain over here. No, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And then all of a sudden it moved to where it almost came out. It was out. If somebody tells me that demons aren't real, what am I going to tell them? I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't believe, but I have experienced it. I've gotten rid of them myself. And people are like, what? Yeah, it's real. There's real stuff going on. When we were in Africa, ministering in Africa, they have the deliverance team. 
I was thinking who all had been with me, but Shelly had gone with me. They, they have a deliverance team. They have a, a it, it's called the demonology team. And they deal with it. When we were, we're talking 60,000 people that we were preaching to and giving the gospel to. And there was a deliverance team, a demonology team, and they had a whole tent. And they were pulling people out. And they were, they were casting out demons. They were taking 12, 1,500 through deliverance. Come on, somebody. These things were manifesting. Somebody's got, and I asked them, I said, listen, where do the demons go? Y'all don't want to hear this. I better just change the subject here. I better go on. Because you don't want to know. So they're casting out a demon. How many of you know you don't kill a demon? You have to cast it out. And Jesus cast them out into the dry places. I said, so this was the the pastor over the demonology team. And And they've got how many on the demonology team? 400, 600, something like that. Right? And I got videos I could show you. And, 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 and I said, where do they go? And they said, America. All I know is that I can look at America now and I can say there's some demonic activity taking place right now. There's some weird stuff happening. Hello? I said, why America? He said, because most of the time people don't believe that they're real. And they'll come to America. I'm not getting into that today. But I am getting into this. Belief. Everybody say believe. Because Thomas called Didymus wasn't there at the first meeting. Let's look at verse 26. And I think I've got that scripture for you. Verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. And guess who was with them this time? (laughs) Okay, are you with me? The resurrection took place. Jesus went through that, walked to Emmaus, began to open up minds and understanding. He met with the disciples. They were like, hey, guess what? He's real. He did come back. He said he was gonna. And they haven't seen him for a week, according to the Bible. Where Jesus went, what he did, I do not know. I think he showed up for some other people too. I think they were like, I thought you were not supposed to be here. I thought you were supposed to be dead, you know, in Jesus. And I don't know if it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or who he might have just showed up in. I don't know if it was King Herod or whoever it might have been that he walked in. That's something that maybe we'll find out at another time. But he goes in and he says, Thomas was with them and the doors having been shut and he stood in their midst and here comes Jesus again. And what's he say? Peace, dude. <laughs> Peace. Right? He comes in and he says, peace be with you. It wasn't that way, probably. Then he said to Thomas, how did he know what Thomas said? Because he's all-knowing. He stepped into his Godhead. Are you with me? He goes on and he says to Thomas, reach here with your finger. See my hands? Reach here with your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas had to be shown something. Jesus had spent three years, two and a half years with Thomas. Do you think that they were, Jesus wasn't teaching his disciples? Do you don't think that they were learning from watching him operate and forgive and cast out demons and freely, freely give, freely receive, freely give? He was going through all this stuff. I love this. Let me look at it. Verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. 
It's like, I got it. I got it. You are real. You are who you said you were. You did rise again. All the miracles that I saw you perform, they weren't just a mirage. I've got understanding. I've got a vision. I can begin to see, God, you are it. Because he showed him. We'll get to that in just a minute. Verse 29, here's what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. Blessed are those that did not see and yet believed. Eight days later, Jesus is with the disciples again, and Thomas is with them. And I mean, how many of you think that the other disciples were like, look, Thomas, I'm telling you, he was here. He came and he showed us his hands. He came and he showed us his side. He was here. Jesus sat down and said, what do you got to eat? I'm hungry. It's like our grandkids when they come over to the house. Mimi, Papa, I love you, see you. What do you got to eat? I'm hungry. It's like our kids when they were there. You know what I mean? Them teenagers, them teenagers over there, Tatum. They come in and they're like, what do you got to eat? I'm hungry, right? I'm, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. It's, it's there. And, and, and it's just like they come in. And how many of you think, come on, Thomas. Come on, Thomas. I'm telling you. He didn't, nope, not believing it. Nope, 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 nope. How many times we can talk to somebody about Christ? They're like, nope, 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 nope. Not believing it, not believing it, not believing it, not believing it. Not going to believe it, not going to believe it. No, I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. You remember the miracles? Nope, nope, nope. Not until I put my hand in his hand and put my hand in his side. Well, I believe. How many of you are from Missouri? No, never mind. Just put your hand down. So, so <laughs> there's a couple. There's a, there's a couple. Uh, again, it's not about Missouri. It's about the belief. So, number one, what happened after the resurrection? There was an opening or understanding of the mind. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Where does the belief come? Does it come from here or does it come from here or does it come from both? That's a trick question. I'm not going to get into that right now. But understand, he said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. This is the King James Version. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. How many of you physically saw Jesus physically in the flesh. Anybody? We haven't because it was the disciples, right? That were with him. And there were others that saw him that weren't disciples. You know, when he was on the cross, a centurion soldier looked at him and he was like, I'm paraphrasing. I think we messed up. I think this guy was the son of God. He said, surely this man must have been the son of God. I'm telling you, when, that, when the earth shook and the Pharisees were in the temple and the veil was torn and the, the mercy seat was split in half, are you with me? Come on. There was a lot of stuff that was happening from the religious thing to be able to say, look at what's taking place. Now Jesus is on the scene. So he goes on and it says, because you've seen him, have you believed? And there's going to be some of us, some people, that because they haven't seen him, they're not going to believe. 
and I'm sorry, I don't want this to happen, they'll go to their grave not believing or wondering. But he goes on and he says this in the King James, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. How many of you think the disciple apostle John was blessed? I mean, think Peter was blessed. Even though they went through what they went through and Peter was buried upside down or crucified upside down and all of the stuff they went through, how many of you know them being with Jesus, they were pretty blessed. So blessed to the, to the point that it was like, that it was like um, um, what is it, James and John's mom comes up to Jesus and said, hey, when, you, when you're on your throne, can one of my boys be next to you? <laughs> It's like, can one of my boys be next to you? It's like, what are we, vying for position here? You know what I mean? And Jesus is like, that's not my place to give. I don't get to give that place. That's up to the Father. But they were blessed. And you could say John was blessed. I could say Paul was blessed. Peter was blessed. James, John, Zebedee. I mean, he was blessed. Come on, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that, that didn't know Christ. When they came to know Christ, Josephus, I mean, I mean um, Joseph, when, when he went and he took the spices and, and he gave them the tomb to put Jesus in, they were blessed. But think about this. You know what Jesus says about you? You haven't seen me, but you're blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I don't feel blessed, but I'm blessed. But Jesus, I want to see you. And there's times where we've had impressions, and there's times in our heart we've seen it, and in our mind's eye we've seen him in the death, burial, and the resurrection, and we've, we've seen him heal and deliver and set free in my mind's eye. But he says, I haven't seen him physically, I haven't seen him, but I'm blessed. What? Blessed is, one, one of the definitions I love about blessed is being empowered to prosper. Not just financially. We're not talking just financially because everybody's mind automatically goes, money. No, you're blessed to have peace. Hello? You're blessed to be, I, I'm blessed to be living in this country. Even the country that's a mess, that's got really some issues morality-wise and some things that are really difficult going on, but I am blessed. And Jesus is saying, we're blessed. So I go to the bank. They said, how you doing today? I said, I'm blessed and highly favored. I said, that's nice. Who told you that? Jesus. <laughs> They're like, huh? Y'all been talking with Jesus? Somebody get this guy to the mental health place. Are you with me? But what, that's what, exactly what Jesus did. He pronounced a special blessing on all of us who haven't seen him. Anybody know Mark Lowry? I was watching a video years ago with Mark Lowry, and he's like, I'm a Baptist. And he said, and all these Pentecostals, he said, they're, 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 they're seeing, you know, arms grown out and cancer leaving bodies and all this other stuff. And he said, I'm a Baptist. He said, and I haven't seen none of that stuff. And I'm like, Jesus, how come they get to see that stuff and I don't? And then he brought this scripture up. He said, blessed are those that haven't seen and believed. And he said, so I'm still blessed. He said, they're all blessed and they're seeing signs and wonders and miracles and all this other stuff taking place. He said, and I haven't seen this, but Jesus himself says, I'm giving you a special blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. I'm giving you a special blessing. I like the idea of a special blessing from Jesus, don't you? 
I like the idea of a special blessing from Jesus. Now, some of us won't believe that until we see something in our life that means we're blessed. But if you're really looking and you have an understanding and your eyes are open, you'll begin to see how blessed you really are. You go to a third world country in Africa and we were, we were in Cuba and they were living on, those that were unemployed were living on $8 a month plus government rationing. $8 a month plus government rationing. How do they do that? Well, that's, that's a good question. So listen, we are blessed by Jesus and that's a special thing. We are not saved by miracles. I love miracles. I'm not saying miracles aren't miracles. I love miracles, especially when they happen. But we're not saved by miracles. I'm saved by believing. Miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. Miracles do happen. And there are people that will see miracles and see miracles and see miracles and see miracles and still don't believe they're not saved. We, we are saved by believing. Everybody say believe. The Jews in Jerusalem believed on Jesus and his miracles and saw it. But they didn't believe. They didn't believe he was the son of God. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Great crowds followed Jesus and saw miracles, but they what? They didn't believe. Because in the end, most of them that saw miracles left. Because they didn't believe. Everybody say believe. We've got, to, we've got to believe. We've got to begin to believe. Faith in his miracles should lead us to faith in his word. Faith in his miracles should lead us to faith in his word. When I read the word, listen. When I read the word, faith grows in me. So if I read the word and faith grows, what happens when I don't read the word? I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying this is how important the word is. This is how important the word is. He says, take that word when you learn it and hide it in your heart so you won't sin against him. I won't break some of the stuff that I would normally break. Are you with me? I wouldn't do some of the stuff that I would normally do. Why? Because I hid this word of God in my heart. And that word creates belief. Oh, come on, somebody. It's the word that will begin to bring belief in my situation. When I have an understanding that I'm supposed to forgive, then I can forgive. I don't want to forgive. You don't understand, Pastor, how bad they messed me up. You don't know how bad they took advantage of me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't know. They're operating in this religious system over here, and they're trying to take me out, and them taking me out is going to do just the opposite, and it's going to begin to launch the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of who Jesus is. Not only to us, did it was the death, burial, and the resurrection, but he was coming to open up the minds and the eyes of those that don't believe, that can't see, and there's some people they can't see what's going on in the world today they're blinded of these things but i'm here to tell you their eyes are gonna have to open and they're gonna have to turn from a place where they don't believe to where they do believe somebody ought to shout believe 
we got to believe. It's about believe. It's about having that faith to say, God, I know you said this in your word, and that's what I'm standing on, and I'm going to stand on that. Oh, could I preach to you this morning just for a little bit? Because there are going to be troubles and trials and tribulations in our lives. And Jesus said, just believe that I'm with you, and I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to leave you hanging out. You're not an orphan. You're a son, a child of the Most High God, and we've got to believe that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. Somebody ought to give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. I'm preaching good. Somebody ought to say amen or how's your mama or something. I'm going to give you some other scriptures real quick, and then I'll let you guys go home so you can believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I think I have that. Yes. For we walk by... Not by, say it with me, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Isn't it the other way around? We walk by sight, not by faith. It is for the world, but it's not for you. When you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you've received him and he, your spirit is now made one with him, then we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. So when a fire comes and consumes your family members, you got to say, God, I'm walking by faith through this thing. I'm not walking by f- through sight in this thing. And when your kids are in Ukraine and they're being pressed all around on every side, you got to say, God, I'm not walking by sight on this situation. I'm walking by faith. And when you have a loved one that's passed away that you love and you don't understand why they're gone, and you say, God, I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith in this thing. God, when something happens in your life and you're dealing with a health issue or a sickness or a disease, you say, I'm not walking by what I see. God, I'm walking by faith in this thing because it's by faith that I believe and I walk in that belief in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. We're going to walk by faith, not by sight. Say it with me. We're going to do it three times. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. So you walk out of this building and the situations and the pressure of the world comes in. Are you walking by what you see? Or are you walking by what you know in the Word? Well, I don't know it. I mean, there were some things in the Word of God when I first started learning it. I didn't have an understanding of. And God opened my eyes and gave me an understanding. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. I don't know it all. Shelly can attest to that. But I want to walk by faith and not by sight. Let me give you another scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And then we love this scripture. It says, faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. Not yet seen. Not yet seen. I haven't seen the goodness of God not yet seen. I haven't seen his mercy in my life. Not yet seen. I haven't seen his grace on my life. Not yet seen. I haven't seen his glory yet on my life. Not yet seen. It's there. Come on, somebody. It's there on your life. We just haven't seen how it is and seen how it's operating. Or my eyes maybe not be opened yet. The things that I have not yet seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the anticipation and the expectation that something good's going to happen. 
when we started families helping families and it, and, it, and it's transitioned into the hope center it's about giving hope to those people that are hopeless that don't have any hope that they can say you know what i don't know how i'm going to make this bill but i'm going to come and get food i'm going to take the money that i got and put it towards that bill and then they're going to begin to be provided for and they're going to know that somebody cares and somebody loves them and somebody wants them to know that they matter and that they're important and they're valuable come on somebody are you with me because we've got to be able to see that that's what that faith is it's the substance or a Assurance of things hoped for, things not yet seen. Not yet seen. God is a good God, even if you haven't seen it yet. But here's what I know I could probably talk with you 10 minutes and find out things in your life to where there is the goodness of God. Oh, that's the goodness of God. Oh, that's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. That's His mercy. That's His grace. But a lot of times we don't see it. But I'm telling you, because of the resurrection, I can see it now. Before the resurrection, of course, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago dealing with the Israelites or when they were in bondage, you know, in bondage as a nation for 400 years. They couldn't see that, but yet the prophetic words of the Old Testament told them about the Messiah, the soon and coming king. One more scripture I want to give to you. First Peter Chapter 1, I want to look at verses 8 and 9. I want, to, I want to encourage you to go back and read Peter. It's not a, it's not a long, lengthy book, First Peter, and then Second Peter. And though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Could that be said to this church today? Everybody here and joining us online, it'd be say. Though you don't see him, you love him. I love him. Pastor, if, if you love God, then why did that happen to your family? It doesn't change the fact that I love God. It challenges me, but we saw it today in worship. God loves us, and there's nothing that I can separate. I can get angry at God. I can get angry at God. But it's not going to separate why he loves me. Because my love is not based on my emotions. My love is based on Jesus Christ. And my belief in him. Did you know that when people don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he still loves them? <laughs> That'll blow them up. That'll blow them up. They'll be going, I don't believe in Jesus. It's like he believes in you. And he loves you. And you know what? There isn't, no matter what you can do, you can't get away from that love. You can go snort it up, shoot it up, smoke it up, shoot it up, whatever you got to do. You can do any of those things you want to. But it's not going to change the fact that God still loves you. But there's consequences to those things, so be careful. It goes on and it says, but believe in him. Say believe. Believe in what? In him. Say it with me. Believe in him. Believe in him. Believe in him, Jesus, whom God sent to overcome the hurt and the pain in our lives, 
to overcome and say, I paid for that price. I paid that. You don't have to be guilty in that no more. You don't have to carry that guilt. You don't have to carry that shame any longer because Christ took that on the cross and shed his blood for that guilt or shame. Yes, those things have happened to us, but I can begin to step out of that and concentrate on believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. It just makes me want to shout. It goes on and he says, You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Obtaining as an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Salvation is an outcome of our faith. And our faith is based on believing Jesus as the Son of God. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. Can I go on with you? The master of our, the captain of my ship. Are you with me? The hope itself personified. His name is Jesus. Everybody needs to shout, Jesus! Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm about done. I'm about done. There's three types of people. Number one, there's those who will not believe until they see. They won't believe until they... Has your life changed? I've had people that said, Oh, you got saved. You gave your life to Jesus. But you were at that party the other night. I was. But did you notice I was drinking juice and not beer anyway I'm just I don't even want to go there because when I'm willing to forgive and people can see that it's not just seeing Jesus but sometimes it's seeing Jesus in you do you know how many people have been watching us walk through this fire situation. How many people watch Jody and Sean walk through their house getting destroyed in a tornado? You know how many people have watched you walk through situations and circumstances in your life? They're watching. They're looking at it. Three types of people. Those that will be not believe until they see. Number two, that those who believe only when they see. I think about Thomas. He said, I'm not believing. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I don't believe it until I see it. Jesus shows up and says, peace. Hey, Thomas, check this out. Put your hand in there. I can't imagine just touching Jesus. That his life shifted, his life changed. We see it happen with Peter. Peter was one way before Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. We'll talk about that next week. But he was another thing, another way, when all of a sudden that took place and he came back out of the upper room. Remember, that's my message for next week. I'm not going to get in there. There are those who, number one, will not believe and even when they see it. Those who believe only when they see it. And those that have not seen and yet believe. I've seen the goodness of God. There's a song. 
goodness of God all over my life. And I always sing it my wife. I see the goodness of God all over my wife. I see the goodness of God all over your life. Situations that you've struggled with, Sean, the things that you've been up against. You haven't quit. You haven't given up. You know, sometimes we can walk away and, and Melissa, we come back. We go to that place where it's like, I don't know, I tried this Christian thing and I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm not going to church today and that's fine. But then when you get into church, the Holy Spirit begins to start to, to work on you and, and, and allow you to be able to come to Him as children with a loved Father. And you begin to start seeing God as somebody that's for you and not against you. We don't see Him like the BC cartoons where God's getting ready to throw a lightning bolt. That was before Christ died on the, on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection. And that's what we're talking about. The 40, the 50 days that took place after the resurrection. 50 days to Pentecost. And guess what happened in Pentecost? Acts chapter 2. So those 40 days. So we took a week that day. And now we've taken a week. A week later, he comes to Thomas. And he says that scripture. Blessed are you. Because you believe and haven't seen. There's a blessing on us, church. There's a blessing on every person that calls Jesus Christ Lord and lives for Him and puts Christ center in their life. There's that blessing that's there that doesn't come from Pastor Eric. I can bless the kids. I can pray a blessing over you guys. Do. We do a lot. But there's a blessing that comes from Jesus. Jesus. Jesus blessed me today, honey. Jesus blessed me today. Jesus blessed me today because I belong to him. He blessed me today. So after the resurrection, there were some things that took place that I think are just as important. Maybe just up underneath the resurrection. But we need to know about the next few days, the next few weeks, the next month. And I want to share those with you. Will you stand to your feet today? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe that you didn't know he died for you. Maybe you didn't understand the importance of this death, burial, and not only that, the resurrection, and soon to come, the ascension. We'll talk about that next week. Just close your eyes just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, I just need a touch from God. God's wanting to touch you. I believe he has touched you. He will touch you. And he'll continue to touch you. I'm asking him to open our minds for understanding of him and his word. What about you? Will you ask that with me? Just ask him. Say, open my, open my mind, Lord, for you. He's not going to put something in it that shouldn't be in it. Some people are... Well, if you open up your mind like that, then the devil's going to come in. No, we're not asking the devil to come in. We're asking Jesus to come in. And when he moves in and the Holy Spirit takes up space, we're not going to give any room for that demonic presence. Can I get an amen? And now we believe. We believe. You believe. Maybe today you came in here and you weren't sure you believed, but now you're like, I believe now. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I believe in the death and the burial. I believe in the resurrection. 
I believe in Jesus. The Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding, praying for our children today, praying for you today. He's praying. He's interceding right now for this church. He's interceding for this nation and the nations of the world because they belong to him. He's interceding for Ukraine. He's interceding for America. He's interceding for Israel. He's interceding and still praying for the peace of Jerusalem. He's praying for us today. Open our eyes. Open our minds. Let us see you, God. And help our belief. Help our belief. Help our belief. Help our belief. Help our faith. Very interchangeable word. Synonyms of each other. We believe that and we receive that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Bless you guys. Listen, if you're here today and you want some prayer, I want to pray with you. So just come on up afterwards. You guys are now dismissed. Thank you for if you signed up for um, it, for the for helping out with the the Hope uh, Center deal. I, I can't even remember what it is. I'm so focused on Jesus. I ain't worried about any of that other stuff. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon in Him. God bless you. <laughs>